Are you seeing how much respect the Big 12 Conference is getting? I know that the football season is, geez, six months away, but uh, you're going to like this if you are itching for football season like I am. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. It's great to be here with you for another week. And once again, we are a ways off. But there were two things that came out this week that I want to share with you around why the Big 12 is getting so much well-deserved respect. Uh, It starts off with ESPN's FPI rankings. Now, you're probably like, oh, ESPN, I hate it. Now, I hate ESPN too, okay? We're on the same page there. We are on the same page there. No ifs, ands, or buts. But let's just share with you what this means for the Big 12 and what exactly is going on here. FPI, which is the Football Power Index, is a rating system designed to measure team strength and project performance going forward. The goal is not to rank the teams. It is to correctly predict games and season outcomes. If Vegas ever published the power rankings it uses to set its lines, they would likely look quite a lot like FPI. ESPN adds, this is not a playoff predictor. It is not designed to identify the four teams most deserving of making the college football playoff. But it is an indicator, right? It certainly seems like it's better than, you know, the uh, AP poll, the coaches poll, where you've got journalists who are incredibly biased or the coaches poll where you have coaches who are incredibly biased voting on the top 25. This seems like at least it's somewhat mathematics-based, which I give ESPN credit for. And uh, this week we found out the top 10 in the ESPN FBI preseason top 10. Here's the top 10 college football. At this point in time, for the ESPN FPI Football Power Index, number one, Alabama. Number two, Oklahoma. Number three, Clemson. Number four, Iowa State. Yeah, you heard that right. Not Ohio State, Iowa State. The Cyclones. Matt Campbell, Brock Purdy, Mike Rose. Yes, Iowa State. Ohio State at number five. Texas A&M at six. Georgia at seven. Mississippi State at eight. Oklahoma State at 9, and Penn State at 10. Three Big 12 teams in the top 10, two in the top four. ACC has one. The Big 10 has two, Ohio State and Penn State. The Big 12 is three, and the rest, of course, the SEC in Alabama, Texas A&M, Georgia, Mississippi State, four of the top 10 SEC teams. We knew that Iowa State and Oklahoma were going to be the two favorites in the Big 12, even though we're, you know, months away from the season starting. In fact, if you look at the Big 12, there probably hasn't been a bigger drop between two and three in a long time. Because for the last, I mean, since basically the Big 12 championship came, came back, the question we all asked each other was, all right, Oklahoma's in the Big 12 title game. Who's going to play them, right? That was usually what the conversation was. Oklahoma's one. Who's the other one? And the other one, you can make a lot of arguments. You can make the arguments, you know, for TCU, for Baylor, uh, for Oklahoma State, for Texas, for Iowa State this past year. But now it's like if it's not Oklahoma and Iowa State, it would be a pretty big surprise for the Big 12 championship game. 
And the fact that you've got two in the top four of preseason ESPN FBI, first off, if you're an Iowa State fan, you're pinching yourself, right? I mean, that, and, and I don't blame you. You should be pinching yourself. I, this is a year where Iowa State could have a serious conversation about the college football playoff. Now, here's the tough part, though, and I know this is a long ways away. Here's the tough part. Oklahoma's in front of you, and Oklahoma might have its best team, most complete team, since probably that Baker Mayfield team lost to Georgia in double overtime. But even that team was, I mean, it was a powerhouse offensively, but it was not a very good defensive team. This may be Lincoln Riley's most complete team. Not that Spencer Rattler is at Baker Mayfield's level yet. He's not. But in terms of having it all together and um, somewhat equitable on both sides of the ball, this may be it for Lincoln Riley. And how, you know, uh, once again, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but imagine if you're an Iowa State football fan and the two best seasons in program history might be, one, a season where fans could barely be at the stadium because of COVID, and then, two, you might be a top-five team in the country, but you're stuck behind the number-two team in the country in your own conference in Oklahoma. I, I mean, because you know the Big 12 is never going to get two teams in the college football playoff. It's, like, impossible. It's absolutely impossible. The best route for Iowa State, without just going undefeated, is to lose to Oklahoma in the regular season and then beat them in the Big 12 championship game and have a one-loss Big 12 champion in Iowa State. That's a best-case scenario for the Cyclones. Like, that, that's how this plays out for them if they want to make a college football playoff. But then you've got sneaky Oklahoma State there at number nine in this preseason ESPN FPI top 10. Like, that's that's pretty exciting because I believe a lot of people are sleeping on Oklahoma State. Why? Well, last year it was Chuba Hubbard, 2,000-yard rusher. He's back. There's no more overrated position than running back. In any level of football, I mean, outside of maybe high school or peewee where, you know, you got a stud running back, you'll obviously win a state title or you can win a state title. In big-time college ball in the NFL, there is no more overrated position than the running back position. And we see it all the time. Guys like Chuba Hubbard have huge ears. Uh, They come back either because they have to or they want to, and they never duplicate those. They rarely, I should say, not never, but rarely duplicate those, you know, 1,800, 2,000-yard seasons. It just doesn't happen. And, uh, you know, there was talk last week, Josh Sills, Oklahoma State offensive lineman, thought that he had the best running back groups in the country. Uh, Literally, he said that Oklahoma State's got the best running back room in America. Uh, I would argue that strongly with Josh Sills, but I respect the confidence. And I do believe a lot of people are sleeping on Oklahoma State because, well, that guy Chuba Hubbard is gone, and he was, like, supposed to maybe win a Heisman or something. So they must take a step back. Defense is back. Sanders is a year older at quarterback, uh, and the running backs, I believe, are going to be fine. So uh, there's reason to say, hey, Oklahoma State's going to be a damn good team as well. And don't forget about Texas. I know, oh, Pete, here you go, overhyping Texas. I'm not overhyping Texas. I like what I've seen so far from Steve Sarkeesian. All I'm doing and all I'm saying is that, you know, they have an enormous amount of talent. And if they finally find a coach who can harness that talent and who can – understand that talent and can motivate that talent it's a different ball game there in Austin that's what it's always taken it worked for a little bit for Tom Herman but then it didn't work and now he's gone Steve Sarkeesian after spending some time with Nick Saban I did not love the hire at first I've grown to like it a lot 
And there's still reason to believe that, hey, this Texas team, I, I just I wouldn't like put them to bed and sleep on them. I, I would say that much. I wouldn't just be like, ah, you know, it's a Texas. They're always going to be overrated. I, I would not do that in this case. I, I wouldn't. So that's pretty exciting. And then on top of that, the ESPN FPI strength of schedule came out. So strength of schedule. Look at this for the Big 12. I'm going to give you the top 15 strength of schedule. And look at how many Big 12 teams are in here. Number one, Arkansas. Number two, Auburn. Number three, Kansas. Number four, Texas. Number five, TCU. Number six, Iowa State. That's four of the top six. Seven, LSU. Eight, West Virginia. That's five in the top eight. Nine, Ole Miss. Ten, Oklahoma State. That's six in the top ten. Strength of schedule per ESPN's FPI. Number 11, Texas Tech. Seven in the top 11. Number 12, Kansas State. That's eight of 10 teams in the top 12 in the country in ESPN FPI strength of schedule. 13, Alabama. 14, Mississippi State. 15, Baylor. Nine of your 10 Big 12 teams, top 15 in ESPN FPI strength of schedule. That is absolutely unfreaking believable is what that is. Unbelievable. And it's time, the Big 12, you know, they brag about uh, full round robin schedules, one true champion. They do all of that. Every single one of those things. They do. They do better than they did, you know, a few years back when they brought back the Big 12 championship game. I was screaming at the time saying, guys, brag about this as much as you possibly can. We're the only conference in America that does a true round robin in football, a double round robin in basketball, and plays one versus two in the conference title game. All these other conferences, oh, East versus West, uh, Atlantic, Coastal, like these made-up conferences that are so antiquated that they use as a way to make sure that they don't have one versus two in their conference championship game because, God forbid, there's an upset, right? Like <clears throat> the Big Ten. Oh, we, we want to make sure that Ohio State can beat up on a, you know, above-average Big Ten West team because we don't want them playing Penn State, right? We don't want them playing one of those mighty Big Ten East teams in the conference championship game. We've got to make sure we've got a smooth path for Ohio State. That game is over. It's done, all right? And to the Big 12's credit, they're the only ones that do this, a true round robin with one versus two. And they still, they're doing a better job of marketing it, but they don't do a good enough job bragging about it as much as they can. Gary Patterson does it pretty well. I wish Lincoln Riley would do it more as he gets more outspoken. Uh, That's what I want to see happen. That's why I want to see this play out. And the Big 12's got every reason to do that. Every reason to do that. And this is just another example of why. When you see this, when you see a strength of schedule with nine of the top 10 teams in the Big 12, nine of 10 teams in the Big 12, putting out a piece and uh, saying, hey, when it comes to the top 15 strength of schedule, 90% of the conference is in there. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. It is great to be here with you for another week. And uh, we've got much more coming your way next on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. (laughs) 
So we just spent a lot of time uh, talking about how the Big 12 is in a very good position for a deep 2021 season, right? But what about finally getting over that hump? I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. It's great to be here with you for another week. So uh, Timothy Bailey writes for the site, and I thought he had a very good piece after Baylor won the national championship in college hoops last week it was like all right the big 12 wins a national title now they do this in a lot of other sports right i mean they, they do this in a lot of other sports sooner softballs you know got to be the overwhelming favorite to go undefeated and win a national championship you've got teams and programs like oklahoma and oklahoma state golf oklahoma state wrestling uh, but still your conference perception is based on football and that, that's it. That's what it's based on, okay? Baylor can win the national championship, but to me, some of the shine wore off the Big 12 because of how much they failed to get several teams to the Sweet 16, which they should have done based on the talent that was in this conference this past season. They did not do it. And it is time for the Big 12 to start. I don't want to say they got to rip off multiple national title wins here, okay? That's not the point I would make, and I don't think a reasonable Big 12 fan of any program would say, oh, you know, you got to start winning titles every year. I mean, let's be honest. It's been Alabama and it's been uh, Clemson. I mean, that, that, that's been it. You want to mix in Ohio State and Oklahoma once in a while, at least getting to the playoff? Okay, you can do that. It's been Alabama. It's been Clemson. So it's not like the Big 12 is on an island from that standpoint because two programs are really dominating the sport. But what I will add to that is the Big 12's got to get to at least a championship game. If Oklahoma gets to a championship game against Alabama this year, we got to look at that as a good year for the Big 12, especially if you have Iowa State dabbling in the top 10. If you have Oklahoma State and Texas pushing their way to the top 15, TCU's back to being a top 25 team consistently. That's a good place for the Big 12 to be. That's where I believe the Big 12 should be year in, year out. But now the question becomes, okay, you got to get to a national championship can you get over that hump, right? Because there's still this kind of like, well, you know, it's the SEC, it's Clemson, it's Ohio State in the Big Ten. It's, well, the Big 12 still doesn't play defense. Yeah, I mean, how many times have you heard that tired argument? And boy, is it tired. Oh, yeah, the Big 12, Mike Leach slinging around, uh, no defense, Art Bryles. Oh, you mean those two guys who haven't coached in the conference in like half a decade, those guys? Are you going to name and rip off as no defense, all offense programs? Uh, have you seen Oklahoma State's defense? Do you see what Alex Grinch is doing in Norman? Have you met a guy named Matt Campbell? You know where Dave Aranda was before he stepped foot in uh, Waco, Texas? <laughs> uh, Gary Patterson, do you know him? Have you heard of his defensive chops? Maybe you have. All right. I mean, did you see West Virginia's defense last year? This is not... I don't want to say your father's Big 12. It's not your older brother's Big 12, okay? It's not. It hasn't been for a long time for those of us who are paying attention to what's going on in the world of college football and specifically the Big 12 Conference. But until it happens on a national stage, until it happens on that stage, I don't believe people are going to buy into it. I don't think people are going to pay attention. College game day can show up once in a blue moon and do a cute little feature on Big 12 defenses getting better, but you know, most people aren't paying attention. And in general, college football needs its parity back. 
needs it. I uh, didn't think I would get to this point where I'd say expand the playoff. But I do believe we're in a position where an 18 playoff makes a heck of a lot more sense. Five Power Five champs, every region is involved, three at-larges, including one group of five. So really two at-larges and a group of five. That, that's what you do to make this a more inclusive, and I hate that word, but seriously, a more inclusive college football playoff instead of getting blowouts and then Alabama-Clemson every year. Uh, and, and people will say, oh, well, the semifinals are blowouts, and that's why we shouldn't expand the playoff. And I'm all about preserving, preserving the regular season in college football. There's nothing better than the week-to-week hype around college football, knowing you can't blow through the month of September and lose a couple of games because you're done. You can't do that. You can't afford to do that in college football. And that is what makes the regular season the greatest of any sport. I don't believe that expanding to eight does that, okay, because it guarantees a conference champion in there. It gives you two power five at-larges, and it involves a group of five team. And those first-round games, you play on campus. And I believe you can get some upsets in those games instead of these sterile environments that you get in Atlanta and Dallas and elsewhere. You get an on-campus feel that can be good or bad. Uh, that brings a little bit more juice, a little bit more emotion. I'm all in on that idea. It helps out local economies in these college towns. I mean, think about that. You bring a, a quarterfinal college football playoff game to Norman, Oklahoma, to Ames, Iowa. Those places are going to be rocking. You are going to inject so much cash into that local college town economy. It would be fantastic. And that's a big part of it for me, too. These college towns have taken a beating since COVID, right? I mean, these college campuses, the kids are barely there if they're there at all. Uh, The restaurants, if they even can have people in them, have not had many people in them because the kids aren't on campus. The football games had limited capacity. Therefore, you know, there weren't many people going to the towns to eat at the restaurants and go to the bars. There just wasn't a lot of that. And while the college football playoff won't do this, imagine announcing that like this summer or whatever, this month. Hey, uh, we're going to expand the playoff. Here's why. It's good for the sport. It's good economically for our college towns. We want to keep these games on campus. You know what I would do? I'd put the semifinals on campus, by the way. That's what I'd do, too. You want to have a national title game and, you know, rotating the big bowl games? Peach Bowl, Sugar Bowl, a Cotton Bowl, Rose Bowl. You want to do that? Fine. But the semifinals should also be on campus. That would be absolutely fantastic. That'd be awesome to have those things on campus. That'll never happen. But I believe it would also bring back the importance of just having a Rose Bowl game, right? And having some of these big bowl games that have lost their luster because, well, the semifinal spots rotate every year, and it's kind of like no one cares as much about some of the other bowl games. It'd bring all that back. I think it'd be good. I don't believe it would happen. The bowl teams or the bowl sites wouldn't like it. They want those games, but it'd be best for the sport. It'd be best for the fans. It'd be best for the players as well, less travel, but it's unlikely to happen. But that's what I'd love to see. I'd love to see a play out like that. I think it'd be great. I would. It'd just be fantastic for everybody involved. But it's a long shot. There's no doubt about it. It is an absolute long shot. But, yeah, for the Big 12, getting back into the mix, getting back to the point where you are winning 
or at least competing in a national championship game is the place this conference has to be to take that next step. There's no doubt about it. If it wants to take that next step, this has got to be a way to do it. And now's the time to do it with where this conference is at, where these teams are at, especially at the top with Oklahoma and Iowa State leading the way. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. I want to make sure before we break here, want to make sure that you know about our message boards. Hop on the HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Click on the Members Forum tab at the top. Join our Big 12 community because we are building it on those message boards. We want you to be a part of it, and we hope that you will join us as well as we uh, go through another busy, busy week of Big 12 news and information. I'm Pete Mundo, and before we keep it rolling, I want to remind you to leave us a rating and a review on this podcast. It helps us out tremendously when you leave us a rating and a review and send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we'll get you a koozie. Yes, a Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. I have them. I I got a box of them. I had to order a new one here recently. So leave us a rating and a review on the podcast. We'll send you a screenshot. Uh, will you send us a screenshot, excuse me, of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we'll get that koozie in the mail for you guys. Appreciate it. I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm torn on this uh, transfer portal thing. I mean, it is it is getting crazy, is it not? I'm Pete Mundo. A few more minutes here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm not ragging on it. Like, I'm all about player mobility and players doing what they want. And certainly coaches do that, so why shouldn't players be allowed to do it? Like, I'm not opposed to any of that. But I do struggle when the transfer portal gets so insane that, like, for some of these teams in the Big 12, now I, I get a place like Texas Tech has, uh, you know, coaching turnover, so that's a different beast. But I, I really struggle with the idea that teams are turning over, in some cases, half of the roster on a year-to-year basis because of the transfer portal. Now, uh, Matthew Postens has a great piece on this at the website where uh, you can read more about it. TCU head coach Jamie Dixon basically prepared us for this. Uh, He said, after TCU lost to Kansas State in the Big 12 tournament, we're in a whole new world now. And he was talking about the storm that was coming because of the transfer portal. And he said, there's really no building programs anymore. And his program is, in many ways, case in point of that. In over 1,300 college basketball players have submitted their names for the transfer portal. 1,300! So uh, you've got a situation here where guys are just, they're bouncing left and right. Now, Jamie Dixon is right when he says there's no more building of programs. You're just kind of turning over teams, and that completely changes the sport. Now, I I will say, and I know I'm biased when I say this, but guys like Jay Wright at Villanova, he tries to truly build a program where it's a mixture of, yes, guys who could be one and done but don't have to be one and done's combined with guys who just, you know, love Villanova and want to spend four years there. Guys like Colin Gillespie and uh, Ryan Archidiacono before him. Guys like that who just love Villanova basketball. They grew up around it. They're local guys. They're also four or five-star guys. That's worth something. But it's true that outside of, you know, maybe Jay Wright and a couple of others uh, at the top of the heap, you're turning over programs every single year now. 
And it's easier to do, obviously, in basketball than football because you got, you know, 12 to 15 guys and guy doesn't play. All right, I'll go take my chances somewhere else. And I, I, I want to be sympathetic to the idea that, hey, a coach can pick up and leave. Why the heck can't a player? I do want to be sympathetic to that. But I also don't want to get so far down the other end where it's like, oh, boy. I mean, these guys are just, they're leaving left and right, and there's zero loyalty, and if I don't get at least 15 minutes a game, I'm out. Well, you got 12 minutes a game. We're building you up through our program. Sorry, I'm done. I wanted 15. Like, I don't think that's good for the sport either. So I don't know what the end game is here. I don't. But I do know that the NCAA appears ready to vote on a rule that would uh, assure all student-athletes will be allowed to transfer one time in their collegiate collegiate career to any program without the traditional one-year penalty of sitting out. And uh, most anticipate that the the new rule is going to be passed. There was supposed to be a vote back in January, but the NCAA pushed it back a few months. But we're basically out of the box at this point. It's time to make it official. There's no going back. No going back. And if you've been following our website, we do a Big 12 basketball uh, transfer portal tracker where every time there's transfer portal news in the Big 12, you know, we are sharing it with you at heartlandcollegesports.com. You can go read it there under our Big 12 news section. You can't miss it. But at the same time, I'm saying to myself, boy, I I mean, how does this end? And is this going to get too out of hand, too crazy? Because you know and I know that, you know, a three-star player – coming out of high school is a guy who thinks he's hot stuff, right? He's the star of his high school team, is probably, possibly, uh, definitely an all-district player, maybe an all-region, sub-state, state. He's an all-state player, maybe. I mean, these are great players. But you get to the big-time college basketball level, you're, you know, another guy. And there are guys in front of you. And you got to outwork guys. And you got to out-hustle guys, you know? So just because you're only playing... You know, a few minutes uh, per game as a freshman doesn't mean you don't have a bright future. It doesn't mean you can't take that next step in that program. You absolutely can, but we don't want to encourage that. We don't really want to deal with that or think about that or thinking about being a part of something bigger. It seems like that's not in the equation anymore. And uh, that that is just disheartening as a college basketball fan. I mean, the one and done did a lot of damage. I would not have had the one and done. To me, the one and done was a cop-out for the NBA. They didn't want to have to go to high school gyms to watch guys. They said, hey, you become our farm system. You do the one and done, and uh, you know we'll just watch guys through the college ranks because I can sit on my couch as an NBA scout and watch Duke play UNC and see the one and done guys instead of having to go to you know uh, Poughkeepsie, New York and watch a guy play in a high school gym. Like I don't want to have to do that. So the one and done was great for the NBA. It, I don't believe, has worked out too well for college basketball. I don't. If you want to leave high school and go to the NBA, go. Now, I know you can do all the G League stuff and you can play overseas, but if you believe that you are the next LeBron James, I'm not going to talk you out of it. I'm not. And I know that there are more options now than there have been, but still, I I think that uh, the pageantry in many ways of college basketball has fallen by the wayside. And I just, I don't know how great that is for the sport. I, I don't love it for the sport, but it is what it is. And this transfer portal has gotten completely crazy. And just know that, you know, if you're a college basketball fan, maybe you're like kind of a fan. You don't pay as much attention to basketball as football. Just know this. 
the team you're going to watch next year is probably a hell of a lot different than the team that you were watching this past year. That's just where the sport is trending. It's where the sport's trending. I'm Pete Mondo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is our show. The website, our Big 12 website, is heartlandcollegesports.com. Please be sure to go check us out there. We've got a ton of great content pumping every single day on the site, plus our message boards. Go sign up. They're free at heartlandcollegesports.com. Just click Members Forums on the top of the page. And also, yes, leave a rating. Please leave a review. Subscribe to this podcast. It helps us more than you realize. It takes you 30 seconds, and I will send you a Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail when you leave me a rating and a review and send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Appreciate you guys so much. It's the offseason, but things are going to be picking up soon here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com.